Okay, so um, daylight savings time, right? Uh, I got a funny story for you guys. When I was a youth, a youth minister, this was, I don't know, what year is this? This was like eight, nine years ago. Um, <clears throat> we were driving to church one morning, and uh, we show up at church, and they had like what, what you would call like a Sunday school hour, so like courses, like life classes, whatever you want to call them, at 10 o'clock. Then they had service at, at 11 o'clock. So Missy and I show up, and I think this is before we had, yeah, this is definitely before we had kids. And everyone's like gathered in the auditorium. And I'm like, that's weird. Are they doing something different this morning? And so I come in, and everyone's like talking, like kind of like looking at me and, and uh, snickering. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I realized it was daylight savings time. And I totally missed the whole youth hour, which I was responsible for. And I found out that the youth just sat in the room and played games. <laughs> no one bothered to call me and tell me. They just, like, sat there. Um, and we showed up, and the whole church knew. I mean, I was on staff at the church that we had totally forgot to set our clocks forward and just totally missed the... Um, and I'd like to say that it only happened one time but it may have happened more than once. Uh, so I'm impressed that you guys are here this morning. Uh, looks like half of you guys made it, half of you guys are like still sleeping. So um, you'll be listening to this online, hopefully. Um, so we're in our uh, series on Philippians over the next four months, and we're in chapter one still, I think. Yeah, we're in chapter one still, and it's all about joy. So if you look at it, it's called The Art of Finding Joy. The book of Philippians is, is focused on joy and what it means to, to discover joy, what it means to find joy. And actually, we're going to talk about this morning, what, what is biblical joy? Now, joy is a, uh, I think it's a uniquely Christian construct, okay? You don't hear a whole lot of people outside of the church really emphasizing joy. It's one of the three Christian, Christian virtues, uh, well, It'd be the fourth. So, um, uh, but, so we're emphasizing joy throughout this series. Before we get started, I want to ask you guys a question. Um, just think about the first thing that pops in your mind. What are you scared of? Well, I'm not scared of anything. Um, what, so what would make you turn another direction, maybe? Like, I think of when, if we watch some movie and it's, it's a little too violent, Missy, like, covers her face with a pillow. You know, something like that. What makes you, like, turn? Um... So I'm going to give you a little insight into, into us right now. Um, I don't tell too many people this. Some people know this. So Missy, a lot of people know Missy is she hates gum. Okay, like chewing gum. Like it's, she wouldn't say it's a phobia, but it's pretty much a phobia. She, she's grossed out by it. I love gum. So this makes for a perfect marriage. So I don't know if you see, I'm always chewing gum. If you, if I, I just took it out right before I walked up here, um, and she was like, ah, because like I could actually literally chase her around the room with a piece of gum. She thinks it's that nasty. Okay, like I mean, if you think about it, piece of rubber or whatever that you're chewing in your mouth, and your you know your spit and all that stuff, and she just thinks that's so so nasty. She hates the smell of it. I'm like, it smells like mint. How can you hate the smell of it? Um, but all everything about gum grosses her out. For me, I don't want to tell you guys this because now you're going to chase me around the room with this. Um, I hate worms. Okay, I inherited, I inherited this from my mother. She's, my mom's here. 
Um, we hate worms. I don't know why. Um, and this is why I'm not a big fisherman. <laughs> uh, but I remember one time I went um, fishing with my brother-in-law, and he's like a construction worker. He's very, like, um, you know, burly and stuff. And... Um, or whatever, however you describe construction workers. And we went fishing, and he got these, you guys know what bloodworms are? That just sounds gross. If you don't know what they are, just picture bl- what you think a bloodworm is, and that's how nasty it looks. So um, he got those, and I'm like thinking we're using fake bait. But no, he's like, I got bloodworms. This is what's going to uh, get us that. And so he, he puts his on, and with a worm on a hook, you have to loop, you have to put it like stabbing that worm a few times. Um, and it's like wriggling the whole time. And he puts his on. He's like, here you go. And I'm like, uh, I have to do it. I don't want to look like a wussy if I don't, if I don't like, do this. Because he's like, you know, he's this like, burly guy. And so I like, just totally, I just mind over matter, right? And totally do. And the worm's just going all over the place. And I cast my line out. And I think I get something. But I don't. And I pull it back. And there's no worm on it. The first time. I was like, no, I have to do this all over again. So I actually just cast it out without him looking, without any bait. <laughs> oh, I was like, I can only do that once. Um, so another thing I really hate, this is for you to know and to remember if you ever invite me over to your house, okay? I hate spaghetti. I just don't like spaghetti. Like, yeah, yeah, you too? Um, I don't know what it is. It's, it, there's no worm relation to it, okay? It's nothing like that. I just, I just hate spaghetti. There's, there's some childhood trauma. I won't say too much because my mom's here. There's some childhood trauma from her cooking spaghetti when I was growing up. So, <laughs> um, so there's actually been some people at Trinity Life who have been to their house and they cooked me spaghetti. Um, they're not here this morning, but she knows it was like really, now she knows it was like really brutal for me, but I just ate it. So don't, don't cook me spaghetti. But so um, now I ask you that because I think most of us are functioning agoraphobe, agoraphobes. So agoraphobia is, uh, you guys may know it as like the fear of, of um, uh, large, of, of crowds, of large crowds. But really that's kind of the the result of it, agoraphobia is simply the fear of things that are uncomfortable, things that don't, things that feel unsafe, okay? So if you, if you, and, and normally it starts with maybe you had a panic attack uh, at the supermarket, right? And then now you're afraid to go to the supermarket again because you're afraid that's going to happen again. And, and then eventually it works itself into large crowds. And so, um, but also, an agoraphobe can just be afraid of open spaces. Um, really, what they want is to feel comfortable and secure all the time. So in extreme cases, they never leave their home or their place of security, wherever that is, which is generally their home. They'll never leave their home um, because they're just, they, this fear just gets trumped up in their minds and they're too afraid to go even leave, leave uh, outside of their homes. Um, and I would say in life... Most of you guys, most of us, are just functioning agoraphobes. We like to stay comfortable. We like to stay safe. As a matter of fact, a lot of you guys have the job you have, went to school to get the, the degree you have. 
are working the job you have, are living the lifestyle you live, because you want to be comfortable. Because that's your goal in life. You want a, you want a comfortable life, and you want a safe life, and everything you do is to provide for your comfort. Okay? And so I'd say most of us are, are in, this, in this realm of, of agoraphobia. That means that as you guys are Christians, those of you guys who are believers in here, um, most of you guys uh, have an agoraphobic faith. You like to stay comfortable in your faith. You want to stay in a place of security in your faith. And you like the type of Christianity where you come to a worship service and it's safe. You're out there. You notice the kids, like they like didn't want to come up here. Like, uh, it's safer out there in the crowd. Um, that kid like hid behind the door. He's like, no. Uh, that's, that's your faith. You kind of want to stay in the crowd. You want to stay safe. You want to stay comfortable. Um, you want to stay in a certain location. Like you don't want to move away from your family. You don't want to be a missionary. You just want to stay safe. You want to live a pretty good moral life and then have the comforts of life. Jesus wants you to have a, a life that's filled with joy. Okay? And you're like, okay, well, I, I might have that. Um, joy and happiness are different. And we'll talk about that in a second. Jesus came to give us what he calls the abundant life. And so um, you guys might, might think, oh, well, I'm comfortable. That's, this is my abundant life. But at the, end of, at the end of the day, are you fulfilled? Are you satisfied? Are you actually content with just being comfortable? Jesus says, no. Paul says, no. That's not the abundant life. The abundant life isn't the comfortable life. It looks totally different from that. So let's talk about joy for a second. This is joy up here. This is why it's different from happiness. Happiness is ephemeral. It's fleeting. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. It's, it's temporary. Um, but yeah, throw up the, throw up the joy um, the joy slide. Okay, so joy is this. Three things. This is how I define joy. Um, one, it's accepting who God is. Okay? This is when you're going to find joy. These are your steps. You've got to accept who God is. Number two is you've got to accept who you are in relation to God. Okay? So you're going to find joy when you accept who God is, and then when you understand who you are in relation to God. And number three, you have to live out that truth through faith. It's not just enough to know it, number one, or to accept it um, in one and two. You actually have to live it out. You actually have to do something, okay? You have to actually walk. This is why the scriptures say, uh, walk by the Spirit. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a journey of faith, okay? Um, so it's, if you see by this definition, it's really all founded on your identity, okay? We always talk about identity in Christ here at Trinity Life Church. Identity in Christ. Um, I feel like we say it all the time, and we talk about what it means for you to have your identity in Christ all the time. But someone who's been at this church for, she's been at the church for almost two years, um, or a year and a half, something like that, you have to live a life that is also full of boldness, okay? And this is what's different from living a life of comfort and peace and security, because a life of boldness is necessary for a life of joy, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you don't remember anything else this morning, this is your statement to remember a life of boldness is necessary for a life of joy. And there's four types of boldness we're going to go over this morning uh, in this passage that Bruce read. So 
The Apostle Paul here, he's writing this letter to the Philippians. Remember, he's writing from prison. So he's in jail. And he's actually been through a ton, tons of things. He's been in jail for years. He was mobbed by a bunch of people. He was beaten. He was put in jail for two years. Then he was sent to Rome. He was shipwrecked along the way. He got bitten by a snake. When he, got, when he finally gets to land, he gets bitten by a snake. And then he finally makes, him, uh, makes his way back to Rome, and he's back in prison again. So he's writing this letter after all those things have happened to him. And he writes to the Philippians, um, uh, verses 18 and 19 here, where he says, I'm going to... I'm going to rejoice that Christ is proclaimed. And then he says, and yes, I will rejoice. And this is all about mental boldness. So mental boldness is, I just wanted to find it for you guys. It's just taking a risk of faith into the unknown. Paul has this. We're going to go over four types of boldness again. We're going to go over mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical boldness. So we're going to start with mental boldness. And Paul says, I'm going to rejoice. He says, I rejoice that Christ is proclaimed. And yes, I will rejoice. The significance of that is he doesn't know what's coming up ahead. He doesn't know if he's going to be released, if he's going to be killed. He doesn't know what's going to happen. But he says, I'm going to rejoice. He's made a mental commitment to say, whatever comes my way, I'm going to rejoice. Because that's my attitude and my outlook on who I am in Christ. Okay? He says, basically he's saying my, my mentality and my, my mental state isn't affected by my circumstances. It's determined by who I am in Jesus. And he, so he says, I will rejoice. In verse 19 he says, I know these two things. And this is why I can rejoice. One, that your prayers, talking to the church there at Philippi, um, this is through your prayers. And also, it's with the help of the Spirit. So two things help him have mental boldness. The, the prayers of the saints, of the community of faith, and the help of the Spirit. You guys ever see that show, Fear Factor? Okay, so I see some heads nodding. It's kind of an older show. I don't know. We were probably in high school when it came out. Something like that. Um, it was hugely popular. So this show is, is built on mental boldness, okay? Um, basically, it's mind over matter. It's like uh, there's like $50,000 prize at the end of it. It starts with, like, I don't know, let's say five people. And it takes them through three tasks that, like, one is they have to do something kind of crazy, like jump off of a boat into a fire or swim underwater and do, I don't know, something. And the second one is normally, like, where they have to eat something, so it's like, here's a tarantula, eat it, um, you know, or lay down in this pit of snakes for five minutes, whatever. And then they have a third task. And every time someone, people get weeded out, right? Um, so when I was a youth pastor, I thought, this is going to be awesome to play with my youth. <laughs> I'm going to do some fear factor with my youth. So mainly we focused it on eating things, like gross things. And uh, it's amazing what you can get a youth to do when all their friends are there and the prize is a $5 McDonald's gift card, <laughs> a.k.a. the spirit of America. Uh, you give them like this, it's just five bucks, and, and they're like, oh, I'll totally eat that to get a double cheeseburger. <laughs> um, 
And we would make them do gross stuff. Uh, I mean, but they, they did pretty well at it. And uh, they were just, they were totally into it because all their friends are there. And then they have this, this little prize to kind of goad them along. Imagine what you could do if you knew that your life was showered with the prayer of the saints. So you're always in the communion. All your friends are there cheering you on. The community of saints, the community of believers, and that you have the help of the Spirit in what you do. That's mental boldness. That's how you live a life of mental boldness. You know, this, this church uh, was basically founded on mental boldness. When both of our families moved here, we had nothing. We knew nobody. In fact, my family did not know Daniel and Linda's family. We met in Toronto to start this church. Um, so we moved here, knew nobody in the city. They moved here, knew nobody in the city. And you know what everyone else was telling us? You know what our own thoughts were telling us? This is crazy. What are you doing? Why would you give up all this and, and, and move to a city where you know nobody and blah, 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 on and on and on. Um, but guess what we had? We had the prayers of the saints covering us, and we knew we couldn't do it unless we had the Spirit. Just full dependence on uh, the Spirit of Christ. And that's what, and then, I mean, like, now we get to know all you guys. Like, that's what mental bonus gives us. And so those, those two things Paul has here, he has the prayers of the saints pushing him along, and he has the help of the Spirit. And so just think about what you could do in your life if all your decisions filtered through these two things. You know, instead of thinking, instead of thinking for the next job, am I going to get this based on my own merit? You think, man, I could ask the community to, to help cover this in prayer, and then if the Spirit wants to help me in this, he's going to do it. And you have this mentality. You know, this word help here for the Spirit, sometimes we, we look at it and it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, someone, I think in our culture, our society, we look at someone who helps and we're like, oh, they're, they're um, less than the other person. But actually, Paul says, I can't do this alone. I can't do this by myself. I need something, someone to come alongside me and help. And so this word actually means to make it easier for somebody else, to provide provision or support. And that's what the Spirit is doing here. So Paul has that mental boldness. Let's go to emotional boldness. Um, Paul continues and he says, It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed. Mental boldness is taking a risk of faith in the face of fear. Emotional boldness. So a lot of our decisions, rather than being um, done in boldness, are actually done in fear or out of fear. We're afraid somebody's going to think this about us, so we do this. We're afraid that um, we're not going to get this, whatever, position, relationship, whatever, so we do this. And they're more fear-based instead of boldness-based. Um, but Paul, Paul here says, uh, it's my eager expectation and hope. And, you know, hope here is a sure hope. Hope in the Bible isn't like a doubtful uncertainty, like, oh, I hope it doesn't rain today. Or I hope, whatever. It's, it's, it's a sure hope because it's founded on, on Jesus Christ. So when he says eager expectation and hope, 
uh, it's with full confidence that he knows that this will happen. And he says, what I know will happen is that I will not at all be ashamed. Most of us live our life trying to avoid uh, shame. And, and Paul, uh, he's like, I have this full confidence. I won't be ashamed because I'm not going for the praise of this world. I'm just trying to be faithful to my father. And, and Paul here, uh, if you think about, like, what would Paul be ashamed of? If you think about what, how Paul writes in the scriptures, like, what, what is he, what would shame him? He says things in the Bible like, I'm not ashamed to proclaim Christ. I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's driving him to not be ashamed is he doesn't, he doesn't want to be ashamed of the gospel. Most of us, we don't want to be ashamed of our sin. We don't want to be ashamed of our family. We don't want to be ashamed of our image, whether it's physical or our status. Um, you know, those are the things that, that drive our shame. For Paul, it was, I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why he can be emotionally bold and say, with eager expectation and hope, in the face of fear, I will, I will be bold. And then we're going to sit on the next one, physical boldness, for a little bit. Because I think mental and emotional are kind of connected into physical boldness. They manifest themselves in physical boldness. When, when you are mentally bold and emotionally bold, this is going to happen. You're going to take a risk of faith to be fully present. Okay. Um, you're going to take a risk of faith to be fully present. So he says here in verse 20, in the middle of verse 20, he says, but that with full courage, this word full courage literally means uh, to be all there, to be fully present. That's what this word literally means. He says, in full courage, in full presence, he says, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, real quick, the word here for live, when he says for me to live as Christ, there's two words in the New Testament that are used for live and life. One is, is where we get our word biology from, bios. It's, it's just this life, like I'm living, like I have, I have life, I can breathe, right? The second word is actually referring to a quality of life. It's zoe. And it's, it's referring to the abundant life, a certain quality of life, okay, that Jesus came to give us. So it's different from bios. The word that Paul uses here isn't, he's not saying uh, for me to live and breathe is Christ. He says, my abundant life is Christ, okay? This zoe life he uses there. And then he uses it again for if, if I'm to zoe or live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So he says, if I'm to live in the flesh, so two things here. One is awesome. Uh, this, this abundant life, this Zoe life that, that uh, Jesus came to give us, we can see Paul say, it's possible. Guys, it's possible to live this life in the flesh. Like, that's awesome. We should rejoice in that. But he says, what it means is fruitful labor for me. And when Paul says this, he kind of says it, if you read through this, it's kind of like joyous. But for us, we're probably like, oh, wait, I got to actually do something. When, when Paul uses this, it's actually the word for work that's used in the New Testament. Like, 
you have to, he's like, this is fruitful work, this abundant life. He's like, yes, Jesus, came, Jesus gave it to us. Now we actually, actually have to live out in it. And we actually have to do something. We have to actually have to live boldly in it. Most of us want this abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. We just don't want to do anything about it. We just don't want to live out in it. We just want God to give us things and to bless us. But the Bible sets up this paradigm that blessing comes when you're obedient. Okay? Blessing comes when you're obedient. And this is what, what Paul is saying. Um, he says, I'm to live in the flesh, in this abundant life. And that means fruitful labor. And now we're going to see what, a, what that fruitful labor looks like. Um, but he says, yet yeah, which I shall choose, I cannot. Because he says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. He says, my desire is to depart and be with Jesus. So if Paul had his way, he would just be with Jesus. Um, he says he would depart. Um, for that is far better. Now, just, just a note on this. Um, because Paul here, the word for depart is actually die. So he's saying, if I had my way, um, my desire is just to die and be with Christ. For that's far better. Now, that sounds really harsh because it sounds a little suicidal, right? Um, but if you look at Paul, suicidal, I know some of you guys battle suicidal thoughts um, and depression, anxiety, things like this. We're, we're, this is all leading up to our mental health series that we'll go through in May. Um, suicidal thoughts are the opposite of what Paul's talking about here because his, his focus here is actually outward. And so... You'll see here, he says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. I'd like to be with Christ because it's far better, but I'm going to remain in the flesh because it's more necessary on your account. So he's totally outward focused on others. And he's, he's focusing on others, and he's like, look, yeah, of course, I love Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. So it's not, he's not trying to take his own life to end his suffering. He's just saying, I just want to be with my Savior and my Lord. Because um, I know that's going to be far better than, than this world. But he says, I know God wants, me to, wants to use me here for you guys. And that's what keeps him, that's what keeps him, um, that's what stays his, his desire. And so, um, this is physical bonus. He's, he's taking his, men, his mentality, his emotions, and it's coming out in, in being fully present with the Philippians, okay? He, write this, he writes this letter. He'll see the Philippians actually in a couple of years, we know. And so he's actually going to be pres- fully present with them. My girls are taking swimming lessons. Um, they're four and five years old, and they've been, taking, they've been doing swimming lessons with Curtis for about three weeks or so. Um, and Curtis does something really simple with them to get started uh, because they're, they want to learn how to swim, but they're scared of the water, <laughs> you got to get in the water. Um, so in order to get them used to the water, he has them uh, sit down, put their legs in. He's like, put your arm in, put your chin in the water, put your sh- dip your shoulder in. And he takes them through this progression. Now, now put your nose in. Now, do you think you can put the side of your face in? Do you think you can, like, uh, put, just dip your face in? And now can you dip your head in? So this has been over a few weeks. Um, 
It's been really long. <laughs> so uh, he's taken them through this progression, and now they're really used to the water. They're, they're really, um, they're, just, they're just acclimated to getting in their ears and their nose, or more so. They're still worried about their ear holes. <laughs> they're like, it's getting in my ear, um, in my nose. So he's getting them used to that. Um, and it's a really good way for them to learn swimming lessons. I didn't have that. My dad, like, just threw us in the pool and watched us like this. <laughs> we learned how to swim. Um, but he's taking this, these, uh, my girls through this progression. Um, most of us in our, in our faith, we're like that. We, we just want to put a piece of our body in. We don't want to be fully present yet. Like, we don't want to jump full in in the water. We just want to start with putting our arm in, and then we'll put our nose in and our chin in. And that's okay for those of you guys who are seeking and starting out in faith and, and saying, what is all this? Who is Jesus? Who is God? That's okay. And that's what we're doing Alpha for. If you just say, yeah, I want to take a step of faith into this, and I want to, like, dip my arm into this and figure out what it's like. But for some of you who consider yourselves Christians, that's still your faith. You're still in the shallow end of the pool, and you don't know how to swim yet because you just want to stand on solid ground. And sometimes you dip your face in, but you come right back up because it scares you. And you're not fully present. Like, like the, other, the, the other Christians, the, the ones who are more mature in their faith, they're, they're hanging on the deep end, you know. They're playing volleyball and, like, pool basketball and stuff. And you're over here on the shallow end with all the kids. And you're like, ah, I want to go out there, but, but I, I can't. I'm too scared. And fear's driving you instead of, instead of faith. And those of you guys who are still living that type of faith, that's not what Jesus wants for you. You'll never experience the fullness of faith if you're in the shallow end of the pool. You'll just experience this comfort and this place of security we were talking about. But like I said, Jesus wants way more for you than that. And so instead of just getting into the pool... We want to teach you how to swim and how to play volleyball and how to play basketball. Like, we want you to have, to have fun. Jesus wants that for you. He doesn't want you to live a life in the shallow end of the pool. Um, so physical boldness is all about just that, that truth, being fully present. Some of you guys in the community of faith, you've been hanging around Trinity Life for a little bit, and you come to Sunday morning service, and that's your arm in the pool but you have no idea what God's calling us to do as a church because you're not involved in a small group or body life group. You're not involved in what we do in the city. You're not involved in serving in our, in our events or anything like that. And Jesus wants more for you than that. He doesn't want you to just come to a service and see a piece of, of the community of faith. He wants you to be all in. Some of you guys, I mean, just think about this. What, what does it mean... Paul says, I'm going to honor Christ with my body. What does it mean for you to honor Christ with your body? A lot of you guys are struggling with a particular sin. 
or a couple particular sins. And for you, honoring Christ with your body is going to be sacrificing those pleasures. Some of you guys deal with sex issues, pornography, lust issues. And honoring Christ with your body is as simple as saying no to those things and yes to Jesus. And so Paul says, I'm going to honor Christ with my body. And I'm going to give him my whole body. I'm going to be fully present in full courage and full confidence. I'm going to be all here. And I'm going to be all in. And he doesn't have any commitment issues. You know what the defi- one of the defining characteristics of the millennial generation is? Those under 30, if you're wondering. It's commitment issues. It's, uh, I can't commit. Oh, yeah, like, I like this church. But I can't really commit. It's not my church. Oh, I like this girl, or I like this guy, but uh, I don't really want to commit to the entire thing because then I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it'll disintegrate, maybe not. You, you have, it's all fear-based. But Paul says, let's, let's live our faith, let's live our lives with full courage, being fully present in all that we do. That's physical boldness. Uh, last, last one is spiritual boldness. Taking a risk of faith for the benefit of others sometimes at your own expense. Not all the time, but you should have the attitude that you're okay with that being at your own expense sometimes. So Paul does this in verses 25 and 26. He says, convinced of this, all things we just talked about, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith so that in me you, he uses all these, you may have ample cause to glory, or that word is also boast, to glory in Christ Jesus, to boast in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So everything is outward focused for Paul. For spiritual boldness, he's, he says that everything is for the risk, or I mean, his risk of faith is for the benefit of others. He says it's for your progress. And this word is what, the word that I talked about last week, which means you're going into new territory. So he says, in your faith, I want you to go into new territory. In your joy, um, I want you to progress. This is for your joy, so that you may boast in Christ Jesus. And he's setting them an example in this. Talked about last week our values as a church. If you guys remember, one of them is boldness. Um, and, And really what that means is taking risks of faith. And so as a church... We value that. I said earlier, like as a church, we're actually founded on boldness. This church wouldn't exist if we hadn't been just a little bit bold um, uh, in saying, Jesus, do whatever you want with us. And so um, you've walked into a community, whether this is your first time, whether you've been here since the beginning or anywhere in between, in a community that's, defi- that's defined by boldness and defined by this characteristic. And so... Um, like I said earlier, in order to live a life of joy, you really have to live a life of boldness. And so this means individually three things for you, um, <clears throat> application-wise. So whether you're a believer or not, this is for non-believers and believers, the first thing you need to do is just take the next step in your journey of faith. Boldness for you is, is just simply that. So for you guys who are seeking and just figuring things out, maybe your next step is the Alpha course that we're starting uh, the Sunday after Easter. 
And that's the next step in, in your journey of faith, to be in a place where you can start to discuss what, um, what faith is and what Jesus is, who Jesus is and what, what Christianity is about. For those of you guys who have been around the church for a while, maybe your next step of faith in your journey of faith is actually saying, yeah, I haven't been fully present and I want to be fully present. And so that means maybe getting involved in a body life group or starting to just use your giftings in the church. Um, maybe it means something as simple as, man, I don't, just reading, just reading my Bible. Like this, this book here is, I mean, this is the word of life. If you're a Christian, this is your, your life source. This coupled with the spirit is what, what we feed on. Um, like I look at my life and I'm like, I don't read this enough. Like, why isn't this more important in my life? And so maybe that's your next step of faith, just saying, all right, I'm going to read the Bible. Like, you don't have to say cover to cover. Just pick a book. Pick a short one. There's some one-page books in here, <laughs> like First John. No, Third John, Second John. Just, just read that. Um, that might be your next step of, uh, in your journey of faith. Number two, take a risk of faith into the community. Okay? So... Like I said, we're a community built on transparency, boldness. These are things we talked about last week. Um, maybe your next step of faith is being transparent with your struggles in your small group. Okay? Our, our small group over the past year and a half has gone through a bunch, of, a bunch of things. And this has all come out because we've all just been transparent with each other. And it's been... It's been awesome. It's been amazing. We've seen God just really um, move in our small group because of this, in our body life group. So um, take a risk of faith in the community. Like, meet somebody. Um, you know, be transparent. Like, this is a safe place. So, like I said last week, we're, if you can't be safe in the church, then you can't do number three. So if you can't take those risks of faith in here, where this is a safe place and we're all like focused on the same thing, um, then number three is going to be really difficult because number three is now take a risk of faith in your relationships outside the community. All of you guys have networks of relationships outside the community, right? Um, way more, I mean, I've lived here in the city for three years. A lot of you guys grew up here, so you have family and friends um, who aren't believers that you have access to. And all you need to do is take a risk of faith in those relationships. I know what it's like to have people in your family who aren't believers. And you shared the gospel with them, and they've rejected, and you've shared the gospel with them, and they're like, I don't want to hear that. And you've shared the gospel with them, and it seems to be hitting nothing. Um, continue to take a, uh, a risk of faith in sharing the gospel with them and just living it out before them, okay? Um, now let's go to corporate applications. So the, this is just a few things that we do as a body of Christ. So how do we live boldly as a community? Um, one, we plant churches, okay? This is a church plant, two and a half years young. Um, we we um, are now planting a church in Milton. Um, and guys, guess what? We don't have the resources to do this. We don't have the funds to do this, but we want to multiply. We know that God's doing something here. We want to multiply that out in another part of the GTA. So we're going to do it. Um, and we're going to just take the step of faith that God is going to, we know that people are praying for us, right? And we know the Spirit is with us. 
and that God is going to work and he's going to move. Number two is global engagement. This has to do with how we engage um, around the world. Uh, as you guys know, we're, we're moving towards Pakistan and, and engaging that nation. And so we can't do that without being bold because I don't know if you guys have been to Pakistan or know anything about it. Um, it's not a very safe place for us uh, as Christians. And so, um, yeah, it's going to take a lot of boldness to actually do something in a country that's closed. Uh, number three is local engagement. Okay, this is what we do in our community and in our city. These are the two big things coming up. Easter extravaganza on Easter Sunday. We're reaching out to this community from St. Jamestown, Church in Wellesley, all this corridor here. Um, get plugged into that. That's how we're bold as a community. We, we help Kid City push us forward and we serve and we reach out to the community. Um, and then our joy project that's coming up in May that you guys are doing through your um, small groups. And so if you're not involved in a body life group, get involved in one because the Joy Project is going to be an awesome thing in May that we do in order to um, uh, just reach out to the mental health community in our city. And so these are ways that we're impacting our city in the next couple of months. In order to do this, though, we have to live a life of boldness. Paul says in verse 21 there, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For most of us, we read that, and for most of us in our lives, it's actually to live is gain, to die is Christ. We've, we've switched it. We, we want to accept the death of Jesus and all the benefits and blessings we get from Christ's death, but we don't want to accept the life of Jesus and carrying our cross like he carried his cross. And so we would say, well, to live is gain. We get everything from Jesus and to die is Christ. But Paul says, no, no, no. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And what Paul is saying is, Christ suffered for me. So I'm going to be okay with suffering for him. That's what it means to live as Christ. Christ gave up social status, so I'm not going to pursue social status. Christ gave up power and wealth, and I'm not going to pursue those things. Paul says, Christ's life is, is against the world, so I'm going to live a life that is against the world and for Jesus. Christ's life wasn't a comfortable one. So Paul says, I don't need to seek comfort and security in this life. Because for me to live is Christ, and I'm going to live how he lived, because I accept both his death and his life. And he carried his cross for me, and I'm going to carry it for him. And Paul says in the scriptures, this really peculiar phrase that I don't know exactly all it means theologically, but he says, we get to fill up what's lacking in Christ's sufferings by living our lives out like Jesus does. What a powerful statement. If you're a believer in here today, that's, yes, you've accepted Christ's death on your behalf, but you've also accepted Christ's life on your behalf.
And the sad thing is, most of our lives don't look like Christ's life. But if you want a life of joy and a life of fulfillment, the secret isn't to live boldly for gain. The secret is to live boldly for Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you gave us an example in your son. We'll go into the next passage that says, only live in a manner worthy of your calling. Only live up to what you've attained in Christ Jesus. And we've received so much in you, Jesus. And so show us how to live boldly. If it's fear that's crippling us, show us how to live with emotional boldness and mental boldness. If it's just not being fully present, show us how to live with physical boldness. If it's we're just too selfish and we don't want to live for the benefit of others, show us how to live in a way that is just spiritually bold for your kingdom. And I know when we do that, we'll bring glory and honor to your name as we boast not in ourselves, but in Christ Jesus.